Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey Colts fans, welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host Jake Arthur here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you're enjoying the show, and please review as well. Thank you for joining me today, everyone. I'm really excited about this show. Uh, we've got Dave Mason from our sponsor, Bet Online, to talk about betting and this Indianapolis Colts and Baltimore Ravens matchup at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Uh, we've also got Kevin Bowen from 1070 The Fan and the Kevin's Corner podcast to chat about this matchup. And then Jack Settleman from the Ravens Flock podcast to tell us more about this Ravens team. Both the Colts and Ravens are currently 5-2 and two and in the thick of the AFC playoff race. The Tennessee Titans are also 5-2 and two and rank 4th in the AFC, while the Ravens are 5th and the Colts are 6th. So this is a huge matchup for both the Colts and Ravens. Uh, the Colts can also grab sole possession of 1st in the AFC South if they win and the Titans lose. Before we get into this game, here's a word from our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. In this Colts and Ravens matchup, things are razor thin, and it's currently a pick'em. Here shortly, we'll get into more of the specifics of this matchup. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of BetOnline, I caught up with Dave Mason from the site to break down some of the bets associated with this game. Hey Colts fans, we've got Dave Mason here from our sponsor Bet Online. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm trying to recover from this all this election action, but I, I can't recover yet because it's still going on. So it's been crazy. It's been a crazy few days. Oh, absolutely. The the betting side of that has got to that that has to have been a whirlwind for you guys the past couple of days, huh? Oh, it's been insane. I mean, this is the biggest decision in the history of the company. Previously, the biggest decision was Mayweather-McGregor years. I guess I think that was 2017, um, where we needed Mayweather for a ton of money. And this is that on steroids. I mean, this is uh, – we're about three times that 
that exposure, two and a half times that 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 liability. So it's by far the biggest decision in the history of the company. We need Biden for a big amount. Um, the overall action, I mean, it's just been crazy. There, there's more money on this than there has been on any event here, including a Super Bowl. So it's just it's just absolutely insane. That's awesome to hear because, I mean, obviously people know they can bet on sports, but you don't always know you can bet on a presidential election, but it sounds like you guys are, are doing just fine there then. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, when I started in this industry many years ago, the, the election stuff was this always kind of a niche thing. You know, you had the odds up, you took some action, blah, blah, blah. End of the day, not a huge decision. But, you know, starting 2016, I mean, it's gotten bigger and bigger every four years. But 2016, it really took off. And I think, yeah, you have to thank, we have to thank Trump for that a lot because it's always in the news. It's always such a, you know, every anytime there's a polarizing matchup, you get more action. That that That's the same in sports. Anytime there's, you know, polarizing, this team's great, this team sucks, um, you get more action because everybody's voting on the, time, the side that they think is great. Um, so you have that pull, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, you, you, it's a polarizing matchup. You know, Trump's doing his thing, adding fuel to the fire, and, and everybody is betting on it. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of those big factors that voters have, have been discussing in this election is COVID and the pandemic. How has that pandemic affected things for you guys this year? Um, yeah, it's it's been an absolutely insane year. It's been cr- crazy, man. And, you know, it started right before March Madness or right during March Madness because I always – consider the uh conference tournaments to be part of march madness and um yeah overnight we were left with no sports to bet on pretty much you know so i mean our luckily we have a huge casino and a huge poker room so the business there just took off you know everybody's sitting in their house with nothing to do so they start playing some blackjack and a few hands of poker so uh you know my cohorts who run the, the the casino product and the poker product they they were uh they were high-fiving each other. We're, we're me on the sports side. We're, we were scrambling. And, you know, what first thing we did was we uh, we looked around the world to see what sports were being offered. And we discovered, what the hell is this? There's Russian ping pong and some site across halfway across the globe has has odds on this. Um, well, we need we need odds on Russian ping pong and Ukrainian <laughs> ping pong. And uh, so, you know, we started putting odds up on that. We learned fast that the Ukrainian ping pong was was fixed as hell so we got that the hell off the site but you know russian ping pong i mean people were betting the heck out of it i mean it was crazy you know it was uh, whatever you know belarus soccer is like okay we always had belarusian soccer on the site but now all of a sudden it's a damn super bowl we're we're just getting so much action on nicaraguan baseball and all this stuff and we started making our own events. It's like, you know what? We we uh, we, we we partnered up with Major League Eating, and we had our own eating event with Joey Chestnut and all the other big time Major League eaters. And um, you know, we had fun with it on the sports side of thing. As fun as much as possible. Did it take the place of all the big sports we were missing out on? No, absolutely not. But we held our head heads above water, and the casino and poker guys did the heavy lifting. And then when August hit and sports started coming back i mean all the sports betters that were just kind of locked in their cages like a bunch of rabid animals broke out of their cages and the action's been better than ever so it is what it is you know there's been crazy stuff along the way there's been frustrating grades there's been stuff we learned like the like the ukrainian ping pong like i said but 
you know, here we are, and, and action's better than ever, and, and uh, betters are enjoying the product. So, you know, I just hope this uh, we can grade this political stuff soon rather than it drags out because this, this could get messy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I remember, I, I think people were getting really excited for Korean baseball or, or whatever it was. That was one, like, major sport or something that was really getting people excited. But that, that's just so neat to see how, how evolved this has become. Right. Um, but this is a Indianapolis Colts podcast, of course. Uh, this matchup this Sunday, Colts and Ravens, it looks like as of right now, it's it's kind of a toss-up, a pick em, uh, yep. as Baltimore's favorite, their favorite status just kind of keeps dwindling throughout mm-hmm. the week. Uh, what are the most major factors that have gone into that? Uh, why they open favorite? I mean, they're just higher on the power rankings. I I, I don't get it why they open favorite. Uh, you know, it opened minus four. It's a, it's it was actually just went to pick them a little while ago. It was we were at about two two and a half. So that just went you know within the last half hour it went to pick them. Um, you know, I don't agree with that. I like the Colts. I grabbed them early, getting getting points at home. Um, but you know, the Ravens are the Ravens, right? They had the hiccup last week. Uh, but really no shame there losing that game, I guess. I mean, the betters on the Ravens, even though the line's going the other way, eighty percent of the early actions on the Ravens. Um, again, went from two and a half to pick them just a little while ago. Uh it's getting a ton of action. Second most bet game on Sunday so far besides Seattle. Seattle's getting the most action. So um, you know, Ravens are left are out with uh left tackles out. Ronnie Stanley, uh, quarterback is out with COVID. Marlon Humphrey, um, you know, it, it's I think the Colts are the right spot here personally. But you know, you got to hop on on early if you're gonna if you're gonna bet. You got to pay attention to the early odds. There's a big difference between getting plus four to plus two and a half to get no points in the way it's moving, and that you know by kickoff the Colts could very easily be favorites here. Yeah, I mean, not to be a homer, but I agree with you on the Colts. I, I just think they match up pretty well with Baltimore. Uh, but that, that's interesting. You know, it's it's Thursday and it's already getting a, a ton of play. And uh, I kind of figured the, the Colts would be who the, the betters were kind of feasting over. But it's interesting to see the Ravens are, are where it's at. Yeah, I mean, Ravens are just such a huge public team now um, ever since last year. So, yeah. <laughs> they're just getting a ton of action. Now, I'm surprised it's that high without a doubt. I'm surprised it's that high, but um, I'm not surprised the public's on that. And that will come down. That will come down. Even the, the, no, the odds are moving. I, you know, that there's usually high percentages early in the week, midweek, they often come down, but, but we'll still, we'll still need the Colts on Sunday. I know that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think one of my favorite props in this game that I've seen is uh, betting on whether there will be a defensive or special teams touchdown. I think that's currently at uh, plus 210 for yes. Yep. Uh, the, the Colts have four combined defensive and special teams touchdowns this year, and Baltimore has three. So I, I believe they're they're one and two in the league in that category. And uh, Baltimore has forced a league-high 15 fumbles. Uh, do, is this specific bet getting much traction yet? Um, a little bit. A little bit. You know, some of those game props really don't get hit until a little closer to the game. Um, that's when all that public action comes in. But there are some. And, and, and yeah, I mean, we, we usually need to know on these props. Nine times out of ten, we need no defensive or, or, or special teams touchdown. And that's the case here. About 75% of the early betters are on yes, which currently pays plus 211. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's I, I think that's one I'm going to have to put some down on. That's just too enticing for me. Uh, but I think that's all we got for you today, Dave. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Go yeah. Colts. We'll, we'll be rooting for your Colts. And personally, I'm be- I bet them too. So let's do it. Absolutely. I hope you have a great week in the game this weekend, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, take care. Take care. Thanks again to Dave for joining us. Please follow him on Twitter at Dave Mason B-O-L for all sorts of betting thoughts. Starting with today, I'm going to start giving you guys some more background info on these matchups just to, to make sure that I'm, I'm covering all bases. Uh, if you followed my writing for a while, you know the weekly game previews that I used to put out. I, I, I just try to make them jam-packed full of information. So I figured, you know, if I'm doing this show now, why not do the same thing? Uh, so for the game this Sunday, uh, it's November 8th at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. On TV, it's going to be on CBS. And then Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Evan Washburn have the call. On the radio locally, it's on WFNI and WH or WLHK uh, with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, Lara Overton, and Bill Brooks on the call. It's also on Compass Media Network's radio with Chris Carino and Brian Baldinger. So Baldy is finally going to get to see the apple of his eye, Quentin Nelson, in action once again. The referee this week is Adrian Hill, who is in his 11th season as an NFL referee. And his crew actually calls the third most penalties in the game. So that will be interesting. So far, his crew mostly calls holding and pass interference calls. Uh, So keep your eyes out for that. All-time Colts and Ravens. Uh, The Colts are 8-4 against the Ravens, which includes 2-1 in the playoffs. The Ravens have won three of the last four matchups dating back to 2011. However, the Colts had won the last eight matchups before then. Uh, Baltimore's statistical leaders this year in passing, it's Lamar Jackson, obviously, 1,343 yards. He's also their leading rusher with 411 yards. In receiving, it's Marquise Hollywood Brown, almost called him Halloween Brown, uh, 379 yards. Mark Andrews leads them in touchdowns with five. Uh, Rookie linebacker Patrick Queen out of LSU, he leads them in tackles with 48 uh, Calais Campbell leads them in sacks with four. Uh, you obviously know that name from the Jacksonville Jaguars from the last few years. Of course, the Colts don't get a break from seeing him now with, with Baltimore. Uh, interceptions, Marcus Peters is their leader with two. He's one of the game's best ball hawks, so that's someone that Phillip Rivers is going to have to watch out for all day long. Uh, some of the key statistics for the Ravens as a team They are first overall in rushing offense at 178.7 yards per game. Uh, Defensively, they are second in points allowed at 18.9 points per game. They're fourth and third down defense at 34.5% and fourth down defense at 33.3%. They've got the fifth most sacks with 24. They rank seventh in defense overall at 322.9 yards per game. Uh, their run defense is 7th, uh, averaging 100.3 yards per game. Offensively, they're tied for 8th in scoring at 29 points per game. Uh, they are tied for 12th with the most sacks surrendered with 19. And believe it or not, they're actually 20th in total offense, uh, 358.6 yards per game. 
Defensively, this is another surprising one. Uh, they're tied for 26th in interceptions. They have just three this year. Uh, passing offense is 31st, second from last, uh, 179.9 yards per game. And then their red zone off or their red zone defense is 31st again, second from last. Uh, they allow 81.3% of red zone trips to result in touchdowns. So that uh, the Colts are seven for seven in their last red zone trips. So that bodes well for them, hopefully. Uh, there's some milestones within reach for some Colts players this week as well. Uh, quarterback Phillip Rivers needs 231 passing yards to pass Dan Marino for fifth most in NFL history. Uh, Marino has 61,361. This can be a huge season for Rivers. He is going to pass Marino for fifth all-time in passing yards and passing touchdowns by the time the season is over. Uh, I think he needed like 23 passing touchdowns to reach it. That That's not a really high number, so he should get there, hopefully. Uh, Rivers also needs one game with 400-plus passing yards to tie Ben Roethlisberger for the fourth most such games in NFL history with 12. Wide receiver T.Y. Hilton needs just one touchdown to pass Dallas Clark for the 11th most total touchdowns in Colts franchise history. Uh, Clark has 46. Linebacker Darius Leonard needs 11 tackles to pass Mike Peterson for the fourth most tackles in a player's first three seasons in franchise history. Peterson had 330. With all that said, we'll now get into the nitty-gritty of this Colts-Ravens matchup and move on to our second guest appearance of the day. This one is a very familiar face and voice to Colts fans and Kevin Bowen, who covers the Colts and Pacers for 1070 The Fan and his Kevin's Corner podcast. Hey everybody, we've got Kevin Bowen from 1070 The Fan here in the Kevin's Corner podcast, a very special guest today. Uh, KB, how are you doing on this election day, my friend? Doing good, man. Yeah, I voted earlier today. It only took me on about 20, 25 minutes. And I must say, I like that you're rocking a little tailor-made action there. <laughs> it doesn't help my game, but I try. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I live in Brownsburg, so I had to go ahead and give our guy Mike Wells a little boost in the, in the polls today. <laughs> I know I saw him when I, I went over the Colts complex earlier today to get tested and he, he looked like a nervous wreck. So uh, hopefully everything goes well for him. And uh, I know he, if I lived in Brownsburg, he would have gotten my vote as well. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of support here, so I'm I'm pulling for him. But uh, we're we're obviously here to talk a bit about the Colts. Am I crazy to think that given given the Ravens' issues right now with health and things like that, um, and and I just think the Colts match up well? Do they maybe have the upper hand on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I was really curious to see what the spread would be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when it came out earlier this week. Given the you know Ronnie Stanley injury on Sunday, uh, Marlon Humphrey news as well, um, and I think right now as we record this, I want to say Baltimore's favored by like three. So I mean that's you know pretty small. I think at the start of the year maybe you wouldn't have thought it'd be like that considering home field isn't really the same this season. Um, but yeah, I mean I do think the Colts match up better with Baltimore than maybe other teams that you would put in the Baltimore category. Um, of teams you kind of view around the league as being in that upper echelon. You know, I remember when the schedule came out in May, I had the Colts winning this game and then losing to Green Bay. Um, frankly, I just think they match up better with a Baltimore team 
than they do a Green Bay team. Um, I just think this defense, uh, especially with what we've seen from the defensive line this year, their ability to control the line of scrimmage and honestly reestablish it really uh, in, in the backfield has just been in the best aspect to this 2020 Colts team. And then, you know, you've drafted these linebackers more so for, you know, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota was kind of the thought when you drafted Leonard in 2018 and then Okariki obviously in 2019. Uh, but it applies to Lamar Jackson and applies to this defense. So, um, you know, you think about discipline, as alignment, assignment, all that stuff that we hear from Matt, Matt Eberflus. I think he's got the speed of linebacker to go with it. So, yeah, I do think that, you know, the Colts, I, I probably will pick the Colts um, by the end of the week. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, I do think it's a good matchup for him. Yeah, and like you mentioned, one of the reasons they match up well is that speed on defense when you have a, a – an athletic quarterback like this with Lamar Jackson, uh, would you make, I mean, what, what kind of defensive adjustments would you make if you were Eberflus? Like, for example, would you go small on the defensive line to, to keep up the speed? Would you make it uh, Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki primarily throughout the game? What, what would you do? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I probably would leave my four man front out there. I think it's a group that's played so well against the run this year that I don't want to take that, off the field and do anything too crazy. And then it's going to be up to, you know, I'd probably play a little bit of nickel. And, you know, if I have a three-man group across kind of the middle of the field of Kenny Moore, Bobby Okariki, and Darius Leonard, I mean, that's great speed. That's great tackling, you know, great instincts. Um, I want those three guys to kind of have more of the Lamar Jackson sort of responsibility or just really anything on the edge that Baltimore likes to try and do. So I I don't think personnel-wise you really change up a whole lot. It on paper doesn't strike me as a great Anthony Walker game. Uh, I tend to think maybe Tennessee a week from Thursday is, is a better Anthony Walker game than than Baltimore. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's something that where Baltimore is such a unique challenge. Like yes, they're the number one rushing offense in the NFL, but again, they run it so differently than every other team in the league. I mean, this is a triple option offense with a modern day you know read option look to it. So. Um, yeah, I, I say personnel wise, maybe a little bit more nickel just because again, I like Kenny Moore, you know, maybe a little bit more than Anthony Walker, but yeah, I, I'm going to leave that four man defensive front in place. Now we saw on Sunday, the four man defensive front changed a bit. Tyquan Lewis gets to start. Danico Autry still out, out snaps them, but you know, Stewart Buckner, Houston, those guys definitely, uh, out there. Yeah. And that, that Baltimore run game is certainly dangerous, but there's, a little, I don't know, there, there's a stir, I guess, when it comes to the Colts run game. Uh, rookie Jonathan Taylor has obviously been the starter since Marlon Mack went down. Um, but, you know, the Colts haven't got much of a run game started yet. Last week, it was Jordan Wilkins with the hot hand. And, you know, maybe Jonathan Taylor had a little bit of an ankle issue. What do you make of this of this backfield moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um... Both guys should be involved, and I'm talking mainly Wilkins and Taylor. I think we know what Hines' role is going to be. You know, his yards per carry is honestly pretty bad this season. So we know what his role is. His role is more of out of the backfield and a guy that can obviously, like we saw on Sunday, you know, change a game when he gets the ball in his hands. But as far as just that pure runner, especially on early downs, I think Wilkins should get the first crack at it on Sunday. Now, having said that, I don't think that Jonathan Taylor should be relegated to, you know, what Jordan Wilkins was getting in prior mm-hmm. weeks. Like, no, no, no. I still think Taylor should be heavily involved. 
And honestly, I kind of like Taylor as, as a spell back. I mean, for one, it lets him watch the game from the sidelines. You know, first series gets done, he can kind of look at, all right, let's look at the Microsoft surface. Let's see how we're blocking things. Let's see how they're blocking or trying to defend um, the run and, and, and things like that. So um, that's something that I think kind of would intrigue me. And then also just his skill set, the speed, the power. You know, if you get him kind of in a worn down defense and keep him fresh, what does that look like? I just think Wilkins is deserving of, of first quarter carries, though. Um, I know his starting history in the league hasn't been great, but you, the run game can get so up and down. It can be so week to week. I think you got to ride a hot hand. And right now, Wilkins gave you that. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned this on my podcast on Monday, Jake. It's, it, I think if you gave the O-line some true serum, they would rather have Jordan Wilkins behind them than Jonathan Taylor right now. Now, um, I don't think the offensive line has been outstanding by any means in the run blocking department. Um, we've seen some miscommunication, just some second and long runs where, yeah, maybe Phillip Rivers is checking into runs, but they're really light boxes. And I think we trust Phillip Rivers mentally to kind of make the right reads there. And yet the O-line and the tight ends get thrown into there. They haven't gotten it done from a run blocking standpoint. So, you know, it's many layers, but as of, uh, you know, carries for Sunday, you know, 14 for Wilkins, 10 for Taylor. I don't know. I, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but that's probably something that would make sense. Yeah, it's it just seems hard to to take away carries from Wilkins with, you know, throughout his his three year career. All he does is respond when he's given an opportunity and he's for my money. I, I think he's their best pure runner like that doesn't necessarily mean their best overall back but vision balance you know all all those things that make a good runner he just seems so consistent uh but that's all i got for you today kb uh thanks so much for joining me yeah thanks for having me man and i i, I will agree whole, wholeheartedly with that statement about wilkins balance all that stuff i do think he's probably your more most natural running back you know taylor's got a little bit more of the flash we just haven't seen that yet so yeah uh, thanks for having me on though man yeah, of course. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you on Sunday. Cool. See ya. Take care. I'd like to certainly thank Kevin again for his time. Uh, he's definitely one of the best members of the media we've got here in this city. Definitely, if you don't already, please follow his work at 1070thefan.com and search Kevin's Corner Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm sure you do already, but if not, follow him on Twitter at kbowen1070. And now for some of the main storylines in this game. A big one is injuries, especially when you look at Baltimore's health. They're down their starting left tackle in Ronnie Stanley, their top cornerback in Marlon Humphrey, and likely their starting running back in Mark Ingram. As for the Colts, starting wide receiver T.Y. Hilton uh, has been out of practice with a groin. Ashton Doolin's been out with a knee. Uh, Both of them have yet to practice as of Thursday. Roster moves that the Colts have made this week. So far, just one. They signed wide receiver Darice Fountain to the practice squad and released running back Darius Jackson from the practice squad to make room. Uh, Fountain was waived last week to make room for Michael Pittman when they activated him off of IR. Some of the main uh, player-on-player matchups I'm, I'm looking at this week. Colts cornerback Xavier Rhodes versus Ravens wide receiver Marquise Brown. Rhodes is more of a physical corner. He does well with 
bigger guys that don't get a lot of separation. Uh, basically, Kenny Galladay was like a perfect matchup for him last week. But Marquise Brown is much more of a speedy, deep threat type of guy. So that will be interesting to see. Uh, I also want to see Colts linebacker Darius Leonard on Ravens tight end Mark Andrews. Andrews has worked his way into being a top five tight end in this league. And uh, he'll, he'll have his hands full with, with Leonard in coverage and vice versa. And then, uh, like we mentioned earlier, Calais Campbell is back with the Raiders. He is with the Ravens now, uh, back as an opponent against the Colts. Uh, so Anthony Costanzo and Quentin Nelson, they know him well. Um, but Campbell has always played the, the Colts tough. Likewise, the Ravens just traded for Yannick and Gakwe from the Vikings uh, like a week or two ago. And so Ngakwe is going to face the Colts for the second time this season, and he's not even in the AFC South anymore. Uh, he did get a sack against them when he was with the Vikings. I think it was week two. So fun times for them. Offensively, it's hard to know what the Colts might plan to do. There are several guys on the COVID list who may or may not be activated before the game on the Baltimore side. Uh, but if not, then the Ravens will be really shorthanded. If I had to guess, I'd say that the Colts keep the ball rolling with Phillip Rivers in this passing game as of late. As for the run game, we all know it went down with Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins last week. Taylor started the game, but then Wilkins came in, had the hot hand, and wound up running it 20 times for 89 yards, uh, far outshadowing Taylor in that matchup. And it was a a big change because Taylor's been the starter ever since Marlon Mack went down. What will we see this week? Who knows? Uh, what are the roles? We know Naheem Hines is pretty much going to stay the same as the pass-catching weapon. Defensively, I think if the Colts stay true to themselves and use their speed and swarming ability on defense to contain Lamar Jackson as a runner, which they can do, uh, then I think they'll get a big boost. Aside from Marquise Brown, I think I don't really think Baltimore has any receivers that can kill the Colts' secondary. Uh, but Brown is one of those guys with elite speed, more so than anyone in the Colts secondary. So uh, it's good that the Colts cover two defense is kind of predicated on eliminating those big shots because that's what Marquise Brown does best, to be honest with you. The Colts should also be able to get after Jackson and perhaps force some mistakes on, on his part. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have given up 19 sacks on the season, and just last week they turned the ball over four times against the Steelers and gave up four sacks. And now for the fantasy segment of the show, uh, taking a gander at my weekly fantasy preview from allcolts.com. The guys I singled out to start this week are quarterback Phillip Rivers, tight end Trey Burton, and the Colts defense. Uh, Rivers has been on a bit of a tear the last couple games. He's averaging about 29 fantasy points per game. Against the Bengals, the Colts had no choice but to pass the ball. They were down by 21, and if they had any hope to win, they just had to pass the ball, and it worked. And then last week against the Lions, they controlled the game pretty much the whole time, and Rivers had a great game. Uh, You know, he had a high YPA and a high completion percentage, so... I think that might be the best way to attack Baltimore. So maybe that's three games in a row for Rivers passing the ball really, really well. And then Trey Burton has been one of his top targets. Uh, Burton made his debut from IR in week four against the Bears. Since then, he is third on the team in targets with 20. And he's part of a, a three-headed monster at tight end with Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. So that that's saying something. 
and they've been running him out of the Wildcat as well. He's got three touchdowns in the last two games, so that's another one I'm riding with. Colts defense, you may not want to start a defense in fantasy against Lamar Jackson normally, but it hasn't really gone that poorly for for teams. When you look at fantasy defenses, uh, you really like the Steelers, the Ravens, the Colts. Well, the Steelers had a great game against uh, against Jackson last week. Like we said, four takeaways, four sacks. They even scored a touchdown. The Colts lead the NFL and combined defensive and special teams touchdowns with four. They've also got two safeties. Uh, they they get gobs of sacks as well. They, they've got a respectable number there. So there's really not much reason not to start the Colts defense this week. Maybe they don't have a 20-point game, but they're probably not going to have a three- or four-point game either. And then for the players I think could be booms or busts, again, the players who are booms are guys who are projected to be outside the top 10 and positional scoring this week, uh, but I think maybe have higher upside. First, I'm going with Raiders quarterback Derek Carr versus the Chargers. I think there's a likelihood that that could be a shootout against fellow quarterback uh, Justin Herbert. Next, Washington running back Antonio Gibson against the Giants. I I just think that's going to be a gross, ugly game. I think I think Washington is going to be able to run it pretty well, and Gibson's really been coming on lately, so I, I like his chances. Uh, and then the last boom for this week is Texans wide receiver Will Fuller against the Jaguars. The Texans really have to take advantage of of the rare matchups they have this year where they're going to be favored. And it's going to be one of them this week against the Jaguars. Uh, I really like Will Fuller to potentially score a touchdown. And we could see him have one of those, you know, 100, 150 yard games. The possibility is there. The likelihood, we don't know. But I, I really like the possibility. As for busts. Uh, these are guys who are projected to be in the top 15 at their position in scoring, but who I think could really slide with their with their performances. First up is Lamar Jackson. We've already discussed that. He's had some games where he's struggled. Uh, the Colts defense is really good. They should be able to get after him, which may mean that they force him into some mistakes. Uh, if they prevent him from running the ball very well, they'll make him one-dimensional. And that pass defense, that they can really turn it on. I mean, they lead the league in interceptions. Next is Falcons running back Todd Gurley. Just not really in love with, with that matchup. Uh, last up is Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown. I've seen a couple, couple uh, Titans games lately, and... He just... They're, they're just as long periods of time where he's not targeted, and... He's. I feel like he's very big play dependent. Whether it's a touchdown or an exceptionally long touchdown, fifty or fifty or more yards, uh, he's not a guy I feel totally comfortable with week in and week out. And then guys, I'm adding this week. Uh, all of these players are owned in forty percent or less of Yahoo leagues. Uh, first up, Colts running back Naheem Hines. He's never going to be the bell cow in this backfield, but. Phillip Rivers really loves his passing down running backs, and Naheem Hines, for the second time this year, had two touchdowns in a game last week. Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard. As we talk right now, Aaron Rodgers is absolutely butchering the San Francisco defense, and he should be getting Alan Lazard back in the next week or two off of IR. Next, Jaguars wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. 
he's been on this list a lot throughout the season. Um, he's a relatively safe flex play. He has yet to have a gaudy game, but he's he runs the ball a little bit. He gets catches. I don't know. He's he's one of those guys who I think it's okay to have him on your bench. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him, but I like having him on my bench. Uh, next up is Panthers wide receiver Curtis Samuel. He's coming on a little bit lately. I like how they use him as a runner and a receiver. He's kind of like Chenault. You maybe don't want to start him, but I really like having him on my bench at least. And then Colts tight end Trey Burton. Uh, we discussed he's still not owned in, in enough leagues, in my opinion, so far. But Philip Rivers has really liked looking his way. And now we've got our final interview of the week. This one is with Jack Settleman of the Ravens Flock Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network to tell us much more about this week's opponent. All right, Colts fans, we've got Jack Settleman here from the Ravens Flock Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Jack, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm feeling good. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, really getting ready for this matchup. I, I think it probably looks a, a little bit different than if we would have looked at it a month or two ago. No doubt about it. I think, you know, Sunday's game for the Ravens, losing Stanley, the report on Monday with Humphrey, and then now with a few players who look like they'll be able to play, but some key players that are sitting out of practice for the week. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, just just looking at that, of course, no Ronnie Stanley. It looks like Orlando Brown will probably move over to the left side. Uh, Mark Ingram's been dinged. So you got uh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins stepping up. And there's eight guys on the COVID list, including Marlon Humphrey. Uh, Just how shorthanded is this Ravens team this week? So like you said, you know, with Stanley out, Brown will move to left tackle spot. You can't replace Stanley, but if you try to, that's probably the best you're going to do, especially within a team. Tyree Phillips, not sure his status at the moment. That's a key matchup on the offensive line, especially with the Colts and the way they get after it. And then defensively, we got to see who plays. Like you said, eight people on the list. Humphrey's going to be out, but the other seven most likely will play. At least we think they will. So not as shorthanded as we think. But, you know, you mentioned Mark Ingram, a replaceable type of role with Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They filled in perfectly for him Sunday. So it's not a ton of bodies out, but you're missing potentially your best offensive and defensive player. Yeah, and and Baltimore's not coming off of its best performance either. You know, Lamar struggled a, a little bit against the Steelers. Uh, where is he in his development as a passer when it comes to decision making? Like if you've got a, a fast defense like the Colts that can maybe handle his running, is he capable of killing a defense as a passer? Yeah, I've seen it before. You know, it's weird. I think the big game narrative is more so he's not his MVP dominant self. I think it's a little bit of an overcompensation to say Lamar's awful in big games. Now in playoff games, maybe that's a different story. The Steelers give him problems. They they play a special way against him. The Steelers play a special way against every Ravens team. So I, I like you said, they will be able to kind of neutralize his speed with Ingram out, with Stanley out. They're going to have problems, but the one positive for Ravens fans, Lamar off a loss is a different animal and he comes in with a different motivation and a different level of focus. And the guy's lost. I mean, what's the count at now? Five regular season games in his career. So I would bet on a big bounce back from Lamar Jackson. 
Now, with that being said, following a loss, does he tend to lean on the things he does best? Like he just turns into that Michael Vick type player? Like how does he normally bounce back? I I really see an elevation in all aspects of the game. He's going to take what the defense gives him. He believes in himself as a passer. He truly does believe that he can be a pocket passer without needing to run starting to move more, not even close to, but starting to move more towards a Russell Wilson role where you use the legs to get outside the pocket, to avoid the rush, to extend plays, not as much as a runner. Now, will Lamar still carry the ball 10, 12, 15 times if he needs to? Absolutely. But you asked about his development and it's been weird. You know, early in the season, you saw some really good throws, especially against Houston. And then I think right now he's forcing it and he's pressing and his confidence is low. And that's been a thing with Lamar that I've called him out on many times. When he is struggling, and you see it in the playoff games, you see it in the big games, he kind of turns, for lack of better words, into a baby. And not only does that hurt him because then his confidence is low, but then his teammates, you see the drops start to pile up, the sacks start to pile up. So they need the reset, the mental reset. This is the biggest game of the year for the Ravens, five and three or six and two, and then somewhat of a cakewalk schedule in the second half. So it's impossible to predict, but like I was saying, Lamar off a loss, has been pretty good. Yeah, and he's he's absolutely capable of making some just jaw-dropping throws at times. Uh, w- one of these guys he's going to be leaning on on Sunday, rookie running back J.K. Dobbins. Uh, is there a particular reason he hasn't had a bigger role yet, or, or is it still growing? Because, I mean, he is a rookie after all. Yeah, I mean, I guess we would – you see what's happened in Indy, right? Like coming into the season, for whatever reason, I think we all knew Jonathan Taylor was the future. They draft him high. He's the better player, but they're still going to give Marlon Mack those touches. And obviously Mack goes down with the injury, so now JT gets thrust into a bigger role. Same thing with Dobbins. It's just the way the NFL goes. They paid Mark Ingram, so they have that need in the field to give the veteran the carries. And then they say he's a rookie. Maybe he's not ready. And maybe he's not. Maybe pass pro isn't great. Maybe he's not seeing the lanes as well. And, you know, early in the season, they're not going to get him his full workload. Now, at this point with Ingram out, Gus is a beast. He's probably the best kept secret that no one knows about. Uh, And Dobbins is great as well. So I think for the Ravens offense, it's never going to be a single back because of how many times we carry the ball. They'll switch drives. They'll switch mid drives. It's pretty much they believe in us as much as they believe in Dobbins and it's whoever's got more juice in in the tank on that drive yeah I, I think we're kind of starting to see that a little bit from the Colts angle um, Jor- Jordan Wilkins at running back he's never been plan a but whenever he's forced into a more significant role he always steps up and now I think we're probably going to see a, a little bit of a situation like that with with Baltimore where Going into the season, you probably would have thought it'd be more J.K. Dobbins over Gus Edwards if a Mark Ingram were to go down. But, you know, you got to go with the veteran, the dependable veteran. Uh, And speaking of a couple other offensive players for Baltimore, uh, I'm a draft nerd. So I'm really interested Mm -hmm. in the development of Devin DuVernay and James uh, Prochet. Uh, How how are they going so far? So I went to UT. And (laughs) I was, yeah, I was at school pretty much for the majority of Devin DuVernay stuff. And the funniest thing was when his 40 time came out, I was shocked. 
I mean, Devin Duvernay was always open in the Texas offense. He was our most reliable. Colin Johnson was the star, the bigger guy, but Duvernay was the guy you went to on third down. I thought he was a slot. I thought he just got open. And then they say he's got this crazy speed. So he's been good for the Ravens. Um, he had the big kick return against the Chiefs. They're starting to get him more involved. You see Hollywood Brown's tweet, you know, why do you have these soldiers if you're not going to use them? And I think just at this point in his career, Duvernay needs more touches to prove himself. And in a Ravens passing offense, how many touches are there between the tight ends, the checkdowns, the scrambles? He only is throwing to wide receivers 15 times maximum over the course of a game. And Duvernay at this point is third, fourth on the depth chart. Not that he's the third or fourth best wide receiver. It's just very tough to prove yourself uh, in that aspect. And then Prochet. Prochet I've kind of been disappointed in. I'm honestly surprised that he made the roster. I didn't think the Ravens were going to keep that many wide receivers. He's been the punt return guy. He hasn't muffed any punts, but he's shown really not a great burst of speed in the punt returns. Hasn't made any game-changing plays like Duvernay, and he hasn't been involved in the passing offense at all. I uh, gotcha. Yeah, so Colts fans, as for Duvernay, I, I think the plan is long-term, at least a, a little bit like what the Colts like to do with with Paris Campbell he's a guy who can do it in a multitude of ways he's fast he's a yards after catch guy as well so that's Colts fans it's probably what you can expect a little bit from you know if if Duvernay can can get his his hands on the ball a little bit Jake I I have a question for you yeah Um, we had Des Patman on the Snapback Sports Pod which is my other podcast Mm-hmm. What is the um, what do you see coming out of the draft for him, and where do you do you think he'll find a role within the team at some point? Uh, yeah, so he's been really interesting. His his thing coming into the draft was he was a height weight speed guy basically. Uh, there wasn't a ton of like wiggle to his his game, but he's a big bodied guy who runs shoot. I, I think it was around four or five like pretty fast for his size mm-hmm. uh coming into it we talked to the i think it was either chris ballard or the coaches one of the two right after the draft and they said they just kind of wanted to get him understanding his size like he's got those physical tools but it's he doesn't display that strength quite yet uh so he plays smaller than he is however uh, maybe a little surprisingly, he made the roster coming out of training camp. Uh, no, no preseason, no offseason, things like that. And I asked Coach Frank Reich, Reich about that uh, shortly after after the, the initial rosters came out. And he said, you know, they just really want guys who can beat press man coverage. And he's really shown to be a guy who can do that in practice. Now, He's still on the roster, but I don't think he's been active for any games yet. I I think he's been on the inactives each time. But to me, knowing their history of guys who kind of fit that bill, that tells me his time is coming. The only reason that he hasn't been active yet is because they have so many other receivers right now. Uh, And I don't really know how much he plays special teams because that's another big factor. Uh, But that happened with, with running back Jonathan Williams a couple years ago. Uh, he was on the active roster, but he was inactive like every week. And then last year, inactive pretty much all the time. But then some injuries at running back happened and they needed to, to lean on him. And he ran for 100 yards in back to back games. Wow. So they knew they loved him, but they just couldn't get him in there yet. And I think that's probably how they feel about Patman. Gotcha. Uh, 
they uh, they just let Darius Fountain go and then brought him back to the practice squad when Michael Pittman got off IR. Uh, so I think that creates a tiny bit more more opportunity for uh, for Patman. But that, that's that's a question a lot of people around here have asked because they're 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 uh, real curious to see how he can play. And uh, my last question for you actually was, you know, yet another receiver question for the Ravens, <laughs> oddly enough, because this is a, a defensive team primarily. Uh, but some of the bigger news coming out lately is uh, Des Bryant to the practice squad. Have they talked about what their vision for him is this season at some point? It's been pretty quiet, to be honest, uh, as far as what is the vision on Des Bryant, but from general consensus around, you know, beat writers, reporters, people within the team, it seems like the plan is to get him onto the squad at some point. And I would imagine it's going to be sooner rather than later. There was a lot of speculation when Des was brought in. Is this a move to motivate the receiving corp? Because it's such a low risk move. You're not paying him a lot. He's kind of corrected that attitude issue and you're throwing him on the practice squad. So he's not going to be a loud personality that's disrupting anything in that room. And you saw it against Pittsburgh. Willie Sneed had by far his best game of the season. Uh, Early in the game, Boykin makes a play. So if that's all it was for, I guess it worked in the short term. But I can't imagine they didn't think long term about this move. Des Bryant's exactly what the Ravens need. They've had a lot of success in the past. Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, Derek Mason, bringing in these big vets. Obviously, Des Bryant's been out of the league for a couple of years, but at the end of the day, you have speedsters in Hollywood. Boykin has not really shown it. Duvernay has speed. You need the guy who's just going to beat man coverage, who's on third down, a reliable safety blanket because teams key in on the middle of the field and Mark Andrews when games are big and important because they know that's where Lamar wants to go. So you need that second option. Hollywood can be a wide receiver one. He could be a wide receiver one on Seattle. He could be a wide receiver one on Kansas City. Can he be a wide receiver one in Baltimore where the wide receiver one's most likely going to have to make tough catches? Probably not. He's a perfect W. WR2 if you can put Dez out wide. Now asking Dez to come in and be number one and be the guy who carries you through the playoffs is probably big, but that is, you know, that is what the Ravens are looking for from him. They just haven't really talked about, you know, an exact timeline. Yeah. And that's kind of how I, I, and you know, that's kind of how I interpreted that as well was, you know, hopefully that's a nice postseason move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can maybe get him active, by you know the last few weeks of the season get a little bit of chemistry there and then they have a, a guy with a really big catch radius for their postseason run uh because he you know from his social media posts and everything too it seems like he's he just wants to be part of a team and he wants yep. to help make plays i don't think he is going to be a guy who's demanding 10 targets a game anymore um so i i, I really like that move if they can get him involved late in the season Exactly. Yeah. So let me ask you, Jake, from Uh a Colts fan and or Colts reporter and also just from an around the league perspective, obviously in Baltimore, we debate the national media kind of got on Lamar a ton after uh, the loss to the Steelers. From a general standpoint, do you fear Lamar Jackson? Do you respect Lamar Jackson? Do you want to be playing Lamar Jackson knowing the Colts defense can kind of neutralize his speed like 
is everything they're saying, how Lamar chokes or doesn't play well in big games, feel true to you? Or is this like, you know, we're playing the Ravens. This is the best offense last year, 14-2, and MVP quarterback. Like, where where is it? No, I, th- I think you still absolutely have to respect him. Uh, I think most people think that the Ravens will win still. Um, as for the Colts specifically, I just so happen to like how they match up with Baltimore because no their, their defense is just built on speed and swarming to the ball. And I think Darius Leonard is a great counterpart to Lamar Jackson out there. If I was any other team, I would be more worried, but I do like the Colts chances a little more. Uh, that said, you know, I, I think Lamar got a lot of crap after the playoff loss. Mm-hmm. I, I watched that game and what I saw was guys letting him down. Eight drops. I, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. He, he got a lot of flat cause he's the quarterback of the team and everything. But I was like, you know, how, how much, how many of those drives could have continued and more points been put on the board if his guys were catching the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm not a big Lamar as a choker guy yet. Um, you know, Peyton Manning in his first few years had that same reputation as well. And now he's appeared in four Super Bowls, I think, in one, two. So um, Lamar's got a long career ahead of him. So I'm, I'm not worried about the, the choker thing there. As for this week, I, I think you still have to respect him like he's the NFL MVP because that's exactly what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts are very fortunate that he's going to be a little shorthanded. Uh, but I, I sure hope they defend him like he's the MVP because that's what you would expect him to play like. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and so, then yeah. let me ask you about, uh, I'm always just curious when uh-huh. I do these things from, from the other side's perspective about, you know, your offense, your offense seems to be the most hot and cold rivers looks like yeah. he's 41 week. And then he looks like he's Patrick Mahomes the next, and then the run offense and the whole thing. You see the Ravens defense, obviously Marlowe is out. Rest of the defense should be good to go. What do you think of that matchup? I feel like that's the one that isn't being talked about in this game. Yeah, they're, they're so unpredictable. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I would say they're probably going to have to pass the ball a little more. They Two games ago against the Bengals, they absolutely had to because the Bengals were killing them. It was 21-0. Yeah. to zero, And if they weren't passing the ball, they weren't going to come back. So they passed the ball. They came back and won. Last week, um, they were running the ball all right. Like Jordan Wilkins had 89 yards on the ground. Uh, as a team, they went over 100. But Phillip Rivers passed the ball more. And they were in control that game against Detroit the whole time. So that would have normally been a game where they were running heavily, but they passed it quite a bit. So I think maybe they're trending a little bit in that direction because they also had their bye week after that, that Bengals game. And so maybe they know that, you know, Philip Rivers is at his best when he can just go deal it. And, you know, maybe they can capitalize on not having Marlon Humphrey this week. So if I had to guess, they'll probably pass a little more. Uh, I think this could be a big Trey Burton game. Uh, there, there's really not been one specific receiver that's blown up this year. Um, maybe Marcus Johnson has a big game. He, he's their big play threat. You know, you'd love to say T.Y. Hilton, but that just hasn't been the case. He's He's been someone who's drawn a lot of, like, defensive pass interference calls and things like that. Um, and he's he's on the injury report with a groin this week, so we don't really know his status. But uh, if I had to guess, I would say the Colts are probably going to pass a little more this week. 
Makes sense. Yeah. I'm uh I'm going I'm actually coming up for the game. I got invited to the game. Yeah. So if you have any tips or tricks about what I need to check out in Indy or the last so the last time I was there was I forget what year it was, but the Ravens played the Colts in the playoffs and we sat upper deck. I love the stadium. The stadium's <laughs> amazing. So I'm excited to be back as, you know, kind of an older person working in the sports industry now. Absolutely. Yeah, no, the, the stadium experience is great there. I haven't I haven't been in it since uh, since the, all the COVID stuff this year. Right. I'm, I'm normally at the stadium, but uh, press credentials have been stripped down a little bit this yeah. year. So I'm reporting from home. So uh, but now as far as restaurants and, and stuff, um, I think everyone knows you got to check out St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Uh, it's not cheap, but, you know, you're you're paying the high price for a really good steak dinner. Yeah, that's uh, always good. But no, the the uh, the immediate downtown area is, is really nice. I, I think you'll have a good time again since you've been here before. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's uh, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, is there anything in particular you're working on this week ahead of the game? No, just, uh, you know, our Ravens flock podcast will obviously be out on Friday tomorrow. And, you know, we're excited because one of the co-hosts put out a big video about how the media is completely misconstruing this Lamar Jackson thing. Max Kellerman said, you know, oh, and six in big games. And it's just funny because they're kind of nitpicking, like, what is a big game? They said, like, you know, beating the one in four Steelers is a big game. And then not beating Russell Wilson on the road or beating undefeated Tom Brady at home. So uh, we're excited. I'm excited to hear his thoughts on the podcast, but that's really it. And then I'll be in Indy and uh, I think it's going to be a tight game. I would not be shocked in the slightest if the Colts win. So I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm picking a close Colts win, but it's it's going to be a close game regardless. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Jack, thanks for joining, joining us, man. I'm glad we were able to get you on. I appreciate it. Yep. Take care. As always, thanks so much to Jack for his time. Be sure to follow the Ravens flock here on the Believe Podcast Network. One of Jack's co-hosts is former Colts and Ravens receiver Kamar Aiken. So definitely check that out, Colts fans. Jack can also be found on Twitter at Jack Settleman. And now it's time to answer your questions from Twitter that you had for me this week. First up is from Joshua Sutton. He said, what does the defense need to do this to stop the Ravens running game and make them one dimensional? How can the defense take advantage of Ronnie Stanley being out on Sunday? How does it change the offensive game plan knowing Humphrey won't be out there? Uh, So for starters, Stanley being out is a big blow because he's a top three left tackle in the league. But the Colts don't get a huge break, honestly, because Orlando Brown Jr. is a great young tackle himself. And he's going to move over from the right side to cover for Stanley on the left side. Uh, So now who starts on the right side matters because Tyree Phillips is also injured. So let's see if Danico Autry and Tyquan Lewis can keep up the momentum they had from last week when both of them had two sacks. As for the run game, containing Lamar Jackson is a huge part of that. Luckily for the Colts, their defense is very fast and should be able to handle it. I'd have Darius Leonard or Bobby Okereke keeping an eye on Jackson regularly. Um, Maybe that's a spy. Maybe it's just playing specific zone built for Jackson himself. Uh, As for the running backs, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards don't really present any challenges that the Colts haven't already contained this year. So they just basically need to keep up their controlled violence in the front seven because it works out for them. 
As for Humphrey's absence, uh, I mean, he, he's a great cornerback. He's physical, he's big, he's, he's lengthy, he's got a big pass breakup radius, so uh, that definitely helps the Colts. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I do think they're going to pass a little more this game, and having Humphrey not out there, I mean, it, that definitely helps. The next question is from Andrew Miller. He said, will Indy ride the hot hand at running back? or go back to giving Jonathan Taylor the bulk of the touches. Uh, so I think they're going to ride the hot hand a little bit. Um, I don't think it would be wise to just say, hey, great job, Jordan, now get bent, you know. Uh, so I, I I think it will still be close, though. Uh, maybe that means Jordan Wilkins gets 15 touches and Taylor gets 12, or vice versa. Meanwhile, Naheem Hines' role should stay the same as the pass catching back. The next question is from Convo Mo. He said, what are, you, what are your biggest concerns with the next four games, even though our defense is consistent and offense is meshing well? So those next four games uh, that he speaks of are Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, and Tennessee again. Uh, truthfully, it's not that I don't care about losing to the Packers, but it's inconsequential compared to Baltimore and Tennessee. Like we said at the top of the show, the Colts, Titans, and Ravens are all at 5-2 and two right now and will be jockeying for playoff position the rest of the way. I mean, they're currently the 4th, 5th, and 6th seed. So the the Colts play both of those teams, so they have to make sure they, they get away with some wins. My main concern is that the Colts have one of those totally no-show games or get swept by the Titans. Uh, basically, what they were doing in the first half against Cincinnati or Cleveland, but that they don't improve in the second half and come back to, to either win or make it competitive. Uh, that's that's my biggest concern is that they just have one of those totally just crap days. Next question is from Sam Sinclair. He said, do you think Rivers play the last two games is a blip on the radar? Or do you think the pass offense is finally coming together? Uh, I do think it's a sign that the passing game is coming together, but the play calling matters also. We've all seen that this works and that Philip Rivers seems to do best in, in this this type of tempo and this volume of passing. Uh, but they have to keep calling passes too. If they sink too much into the running game, then it removes the mojo from that passing game. Uh, but I would like to think that they'll keep passing the ball at an efficient level. The best part of it to me is high marks and completion percentage and yards per pass attempt. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw Rivers have to pull them out of that, that whole by passing against the Bengals, and then they had their bye week. And then the first game after the bye week was a really productive passing day. So I would like to think that's a sign of, of things to come. Next question is from Lucas Robbins. He said, Sportsline betting projects Jackson to rush for 52 yards versus the Colts. While the Colts have a top-tier rush defense and two amazingly rangy linebackers in Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke, they have yet to face a quarterback this mobile or an offense this RPO heavy. My question is, can the Colts contain Jackson and who is the most vital to that task? Uh, so, I mean, if, if Jackson runs for 52 yards, that's technically under his average of 58. So that's a win, right? Uh, no, but yes, yes, the, can, the Colts can contain him, I think. Um, I just think their defense is built specifically for quarterbacks like this. Uh, there aren't very many quarterbacks like this. He kind of, Lamar Jackson kind of takes it to another level, 
but the Colts know that they were in a division with Deshaun Watson and they would have to face other guys who can run the ball as well. Uh, for the Colts defense, if you're a player, you don't see the field if your motor isn't going 100%. And they have a bunch of fast guys everywhere. They really don't have any slow guys. And that that's that even goes down to one technique, Grover Stewart. You know, basically the nose tackle in this defense. You would think that'd just be a big fat guy who eats up space, but Grover Stewart is very athletic for his size. And, you know, he gives 100% as well. So they don't have slow guys on this defense. And their defensive backs tackle as well. Uh, defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus has always said they will be a good tackling team once their cornerbacks are good tacklers as well. And I think they they pass the mark there. Xavier Rhodes is a good tackler. Rocky Sin's a good tackler. Kenny Moore is. And, you know, th- this could be a big one for Kari Willis and Julian Blackman because that's two quality tackling safeties as well. If I had to pick one of the most important defenders for this game, though, it'd have to be Darius Leonard. Uh, not only does he have the sideline-to-sideline range to keep up with Jackson, but stripping the football really never leaves his mind. And we know Leonard can rush the passer. And, I mean, this doesn't have anything to do with Jackson, really, but he's Leonard's going to be more than capable of, of keeping up with Mark Andrews as well. So that's it for questions this week, guys. Thank you so much for all your questions. Uh, next up, we're going to get back to the local shout-out. Uh, we've taken a couple weeks off from that, but I, I definitely have some to throw into the mix. We're very, very deserving this week. Uh, first up is Home Trust Mortgage Services, LLC. My wife and I have personally worked with our friend Greg Timmons over there on multiple occasions. Uh, he helped us with our very first home mortgage, and he also recently got us a great deal on a refinance and that's going to save us a ton of money on our monthly mortgage payment moving forward. We're expecting our first child in a couple months, so that's a huge relief. If you're looking to buy a home for the first time or looking to refinance your current mortgage, I can't recommend Greg and Home Trust Mortgage enough. Uh, find them on Facebook at Home Trust Mortgage Services LLC or go to their website, hometrust-mortgage.com. And then our other local shout out is Alexandra Rose Photo. Uh, this is my wife and my dear friend Alex, and she is an incredibly talented photographer. Uh, we, my wife and I had some maternity photos taken last weekend, and, and Alex did a phenomenal job doing those. Uh, she's just got a real gift. Her, her, her eye for, for the artsy stuff and, and photography is just one of a kind. Uh, she's one of the most artsy, talented people I know, and so I, I definitely can't recommend her enough if you're looking to get some photos taken for whatever life event you've got going on. Uh, go on Instagram and you can check her out at Alexandra Rose underscore photo. This was another long one today, but that is it for us on this episode, everyone. Thanks for being with me. I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did. I think we had some great guests today. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. Uh, how popular the show gets and where it shows up on the charts is determined by ratings and reviews. And I depend on you guys for that. Uh, so it would be greatly appreciated if, if you'd be willing to do that for me. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, and more. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook. 
as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Or if you want this show specifically, just shoot me an email. Colts fans, you'll hear from us again in a few days after this Colts and Ravens game on Sunday afternoon. Have a great weekend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.